Chapter 10 California Desert Trails by Joseph Smeaton Chase. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 10 A Desert Ride, Pinionwell to Mecca. I would willingly have stayed for days at Pinionwell, but for that annoying trait of the human mind that renders ease uneasy so long as there is an unpleasant task ahead and there are enough unpleasant possibilities inherent in an unknown stretch of desert to debar the traveller from freedom of mind the rats that haunted the old house played havoc too with my scanty food supplies they infested everything even the coffee-pot of dimensions that might be named homeric that hung on the wall and in which i had thought my bacon would be secure accordingly after a day's rest we left at half-past five in the morning and took the road down the canyon for a mile to where a wide valley began my route soon left the main track striking directly north into a strange-looking country a sloping plain broken by abrupt hills that looked as if they had burst up from below in some recent explosion my friendly trees ceased at once at the foot of the canyon leaving only the joshuas which always seemed to have been arrested in the midst of some uncouth antics brandishing daggers like a juggler deer tracks were plentiful and within half a mile i met three varieties of quail mountain valley and desert or gambrel a thing i have never noted elsewhere far to the east rose a ragged range even odder in skyline than the rest another road went off now to the left leading to the lost horse mine and my own route became a doubtful sort of track with little sign of travel in a pile of rock that i skirted i had been told i should find one of those natural tanks of water tinaja is the common spanish word on which the desert traveller often has to place precarious trust precarious because they are mere rain catchments this one is known as squaw tanks i easily found the place being led to it by my nose a small quantity of slimy liquid remained nauseous with putrefying bodies of birds rats and lizards a man perishing of thirst might have brought himself to drink it but would probably not have survived the draught it was no disappointment to me for my canteens were newly filled but the incident had a moral for me nevertheless at the crest of a long rise i looked out over another great plain studded with brick-red rock piles and carrying a thin growth of joshua trees that spread to the horizon a ghastly pretense of forest in the shimmer of heat they seemed to claw the air here yet another track went off turning easterly to a mine or erstwhile mine called the desert queen and leaving me to sort of a phantom trail which still ran northerly mile on mile through the spectral forest presently this trail also forked sending off a branch to the east and i came to a standstill in doubt i had made careful inquiries at indio and coachella and of emmons as to forks crossroads and landmarks and had been duly warned as to the roads i had already passed but this new turn-off had not been spoken of by any one however i knew that my direction for twenty-nine palms was northerly and the trail in that direction seemed a trifle the better marked so i resolved on that and started in a cactus bush i chanced to notice a scrap of board 
loosely stuck as if it had been tossed there. Going over to investigate, there seemed to be faint scratches on it, apparently made with a nail. I turned it this way and that, but for some time could not make even a guess as to what was written. At last, by patching possibilities together, the scratches took on vague coherence, a questionable two, a hazardous nine, and a conceivable P. The fragment is found pointed toward the easterly trail, but from the casual way it hung there, it might have been twisted hither and thither by the wind, so it seemed a matter of chance which direction it was meant to indicate. It was one of those puzzles that may bring one into serious trouble in this country, where distances are so great, water and food so far between, and travel so scanty that it was probably a month, possibly three times as long, since the last person had passed or until the next one would appear. I resolved to trust the dubious sign and take the eastward track. There was difficulty in following it, for it was often so faint as to be mere guesswork. It is this sort of thing that takes the pleasure out of desert travel. The county of Riverside, in which I now was, has lately done useful work in placing of metal guideposts at the main desert road crossings, but a good deal more needs to be done, while other counties quite ignore this need of their desert populations. Unfortunately, the maps of the Geological Survey do not cover the greater part of this troublesome region, and such as are to be had, cheap county or miners' maps, are little better than none at all. Persistently eastward ran my elusive trail. It was nearing a mountain range, the Pintos, and must soon turn either north or south, so I kept on, though in considerable doubt. At last, when close to the hills, it ran into a better travel track, and with relief I found a signpost with twenty-nine palms on its northern arm and Cottonwood Springs thirty miles to the southeast. At this junction, as marked on my map, there are supposed to be near together two more water holes, stirrup tanks and white tanks. I searched for signs of them, the usual signs being the trails made by animals going to drink, but failed to discover either. I learned afterwards that one of them is a half a mile away in the Cottonwood Springs direction. Of the other, nobody that I have met has any knowledge at all. Fortunately, I had an ample supply of water, but Kawea had to be satisfied with a promise payable fifteen miles farther on. He is an intelligent fellow and quickly grasps the bearing of any indecision that may arise on the matter of trails. On such occasions he watches every movement of mine with almost human anxiety and plainly reflects my own doubtful frame of mind. He had been as pessimistic as I ever since we left the Forks, but brightened up when we found the road and made the best of a dry tussock of galleta while I ate my lunch. And when we were ready, he moved off with alacrity and surprised me by offering to canter. We were now on a gradual descent, the southern rim of the Mojave Desert. From time to time there opened vistas of volcanic-looking ranges with glimpses of shimmering gray level or splashes of pure white where dry lake beds glistened with alkali. For hundreds of miles this strange dead land extends to the north and east, known only to venturous prospectors, a scientific man or two, a few surveyors, a handful of miners. 
to the rest of the world as foreign and unimaginable as if it were some territory of mars yet what wealth lies locked in this great desolation for it is as indeed it looks a veritable treasure house of mineral looking out over it one easily imagines goblin or swart fairy of the mine at work on the veins of wondrous ore under those gaunt hills ashy gray livid purple or dull red as if they had been roasted at last five miles down the slope of a narrow valley i saw a speck that might be a building perhaps a ranch house though no trace of greenness was in view as far as the eye could see i pushed on toward it indulging thoughts of eggs stove bread milk perchance a lettuce but these hopes faded when the supposed farmhouse turned into the grouped shanties of a small mine however i was welcomed heartily by three men on the place and Kawea was entertained with barley and water the latter no trifling gift for their supply must be replenished at twenty-nine palms four miles away i was eagerly questioned for news for my items were only five days old while their last news had passed into history two weeks before the six men who were concerned in developing the mine had formed themselves into two shifts of three aside taking alternate spells at the works and inside the term used by desert men to signify the cities and the coast country the other shift was some days overdue ensnared by the charms of los angeles and these poor fellows were continually scanning the horizon like marooned sailors for signs of the relieving party evening was coming on so i soon took the road tracks led off to other small mines reminders of the lively days of the seventies when this twenty-nine palms district was a camp of renown before long the palms came in sight and we ended a long day's march soon after sunset i off-saddled under a cottonwood that stood near a deserted house and found pasturage for coea in a little cienaga or marshy spot formerly the site of a village of Shemehuevi Indians from the Colorado River. I do not know who now owns the land, and what is of more account, the water. But when I come on these abandoned settlements of the Indians, at places where they would no doubt have wished to remain, I take them for links in an old but still lengthening chain of wrong. The population of twenty-nine palms at the time of my visit numbered two so that my arrival on the eve of the fourth of july seemed to cast an air of festivity over the scene the two one a prospector and old haunter of the locality the other a consumptive from inside who was sacrificing every comfort of life for the sake of the dry air of this lonely spot they received me cordially enough but remained convinced i think in spite of my plain story that i was looking up mineral ain't you now they felt it an insult to their intelligence to be asked to believe that anyone would come to twenty-nine palms in july for the sake of seeing the country and them old palms country said the sick man waving towards a sunset landscape that would have thrown turner into a frenzy country they ain't no country round here mount to nothing you ever see any mac and mac sententiously replied Durned if I ain't forgot what real country looks like, anyways. Nevertheless, the country was satisfactory to me. To lie at dawn and watch the glowing glory in the east, the pure dark light stealing up from below the horizon, the brightening to holy silver, 
the first flush of amber then of rose then a hot stain of crimson and then the flash and glitter the intolerable splendor of the monarch phoebus superbus tyrant of the desert and of me i jump up hastily and hurry through my morning cookery but not before he has taken toll of my day's store of energy our fourth was celebrated with make-believe shower baths at intervals we resorted to the cienega and ladled water over ourselves from a tepid pool and i may say that with a temperature of a hundred and twelve degrees i found it more exhilarating than some displays of gunpowder and rhetoric that i remember between times we talked of loads and pockets or my friends would grind up some bit of float and pan it out at the spring with brief excitement over grades and colors toward evening i walked a mile up the slope to the west and enjoyed a memorable sunset by some peculiarity of the light the landscape had much the quality of a wash drawing in black and white seen through a thin purplish haze the line of palms made a charming foreground each one a study of airy grace beyond rose the bullion mountains dark gray with splashes of white where sand had lodged far up as if it were snow farther to the east another range the sheep holes of the dead hue of volcanic ash and over all the luminous arch infinitely remote with flecks of snowy cloud like sheep straying in the blue pastures of the sky spaciousness and solitude were the elements of the scene and reacted with trance-like spell upon the mind as the sun went down a blood-red light suddenly came over all the view i never saw anything more startling and instantaneous in its coming or more theatric in its intensity of hue for the few seconds that it lasted i held my breath the mountains burned as if they were incandescent bullion no the lava of rubies then in a moment it had paled and like an expiration was gone as i walked back to camp i noticed a small enclosure almost hidden among arrowweed it marked the grave of a young girl most likely one who had been brought here in hope of a cure for consumption there is something inhuman in choosing such a place of burial for a girl nature sets a difference even in death and it seems a brutal thing to leave a girl's young body here some tokens of old inhabitation at twenty-nine palms may be seen in remains of shacks and dugouts one of these had been the den it is the only word of one wilson the former habitue of the place who held on here in more than pagan squalor until he was lately forcibly removed by the county authorities the hut of old jim pine the last of the twenty-nine palm indians stands open to the sky and gaze and shows a litter of rock specimens for jim was something of a miner in his day but mining camps are in their nature evanescent why build a house when tomorrow the rush will move on to a newer strike but twenty-nine palms is still a base for prospectors in the desert ranges on account of its water which is plentiful and good and by reason of being on one of the roads to the still important mining settlement of dale thanks to the remains of jim pine's alfalfa patch Kawea was in good form when we struck eastward next morning toward dale or as it was called in the days when it was famous virginia dale it was a long tedious march 
the country becoming more barren at every mile and the ground a tiresome alternation of sand with wide expanses of a sort of pavement made of small bits of stone reddish or black polished to a slippery degree and set as if in a mosaic it was the first time i met with this peculiar condition though i often encountered it afterwards i am still puzzled to account for it one would almost think the fragments had been fitted together by hand and rolled down by a road engine little can grow in such a region even the creosote grew sparse and stunted here it is a marvel indeed that it can exist at all a few starved encelias showed white against the dark ground and in the sandy washes spectral smoke trees quivered in the flickering air birds were entirely absent except for the road-runner who is a sort of esau and whose peculiar imprint like a saint andrew's cross one meets in the most impossible places ahead ran the ashy sheephole range to south the pintos a word signifying spotted though i saw no reason for the name in the barrier of uniform reddish rock that kept me company hour after hour once i caught a glimpse of a high distant ridge that i knew must be the coxcombs they fitted the name so exactly one or two tracks led off to nominal mines active only to the extent of the assessment work which must be performed yearly in order to keep ownership alive this right as it may be called makes the excuse for the owners to set out annually from city or ranch with burrow grub pick shovel and rifle for two weeks work on their claims naturally summer is not the season chosen water then being scantiest and heat most trying so i saw little of these pilgrims of hope but in winter and spring there will be many such parties ones twos and threes creeping about this vast territory wherever man horse or burrow may go automobile must now be added for the automobilist's maxim is that man with an auto can go where man has gone before after six hours travel a dot in the distance that i had been speculating upon for an hour past began to take the shape that i hoped it would an odd shape to find in this wilderness to wit that of a windmill of the modern iron type it marked lyons well which is a watering station for stock though the traveller may see no sign of cattle for days together on nearer approach there appeared a few scraps of adobe wall all that remains of the first settlement of virginia dale of all materials for building used by civilized man adobe is the one soonest effaced once the roof is gone the rest goes quickly back to the ground from whence it sprung fifty years after its palmy days i could barely find shelter from the wind in what was left of virginia dale the historian of a mining camp must be early on the scene if he is to find anything more than the ground on which it stood the pump was out of commission but i managed with rope and bucket to supply kawea's needs a strong wind had begun to blow adding discomfort to tedium as we turned southward up a rocky slope toward a low divide my next landmark the buildings of an abandoned mine were a welcome sight for i confess that though i had the some experience of western travel i was often anxious on these desert wanderings where questions of forage and water might render a mistake a serious matter on reaching the divide a row of little buildings came in sight two miles away against the foot of a mountain 
This, I thought, was Dale, and headed Cahuilla toward it. As we came near, I was wondering at the deserted look of the place, when, turning a point, I saw the real Dale perched on the skyline far above me. The other place was a sort of parasite, whose only reason for being was to help the miners of Dale get rid of their money, a matter which, in a mining camp, should be accomplished as speedily as possible, and with as much detriment to one's self as circumstances allow. No means of attaining these ends has yet been found that can compare with investing in chemical whiskey or dago red at fancy prices, getting gloriously drunk thereon, and then playing monte or poker with a sharper. But now prohibition days have fallen on Riverside County, and only one or perhaps two blind pigs grow fat on what they suck from the pockets of the miners of Dale. One soon comes in the West to modify one's qualms over acceptance of hospitality from strangers. Emmons had urged me at Pinionwell to accompany him to the mine he was bound for, and told me gravely that the boys wouldn't like it if they found that I, whom of course they had never heard of, had passed so near without paying them a visit. It would cost me nothing, he assured me. The boys would regard me as a boon and take care of me as long as I would stay. So, too, I found it at Dale. At the first house on the stairway-like street, I asked where I might find lodging, supposing that there must be something in the nature of an inn. Well, the superintendent is away, I was told. You'd better go up and see the cashier. He'll fix you up. That friendly chap at once took charge of me as of an expected guest. He insisted on my taking his room for my own and quartered Cahuilla in the company's stable. Other conveniences were offered by the resident doctor, and, in effect, I was made free of the camp. This Dale, I learned, was Dale the Third. As old leads or veins of ore peter out, and new ones are discovered, the mining camp follows the lead in a literal sense. The present camp is about a dozen years old and is supported by one good-sized gold mine, namely the Supply, though there are a few smaller mines in the locality. Fifty or sixty men, half a dozen women, a half-score of children, and one badly spoiled baby made up the population at the time of my stay. The mine is a highly organized affair, with electric-lighted buildings and a water supply pumped from wells six miles away. Day and night, the whirr and crash of engines goes on unceasing. It was strange to wake at night and hear the roar of machinery in that remote place, all the more so after weeks of nature's quietude. The village consists of, besides the mine structures, a score or so of temporary-looking houses and cabins, spotted about without any pretense of order, a store with kitchen and dining room attached, and a cashier's office of stone are all the buildings of any size. The post office shares quarters with a club room containing an antique pool table, the felt worn to a curiosity and the pockets as hopeless as a bachelor's. Relics of the fourth remained in the shape of a wire cable stretched across the street with fag ends of rockets and Roman candles still attached. I do not know how the place got its name, whether through some Virginian who thus showed his loyalty to the old dominion, or perhaps by way of a compliment to some charmer of a sentimental argonaut. However that may be, the present site, encircled by steep, rough mountains, 
is really a kind of dale, though it brought a pang to think of Martindale, Graysdale, Ravenstonedale, and other old Lakeland nooks, flowery and green, where this was harshly red and gray. Yet when I climbed above the village at sunset, and the light came warmer on crag and gully, the shadows more tender in the hollow of the pass, yes, that might be Glaramara, and that Coniston Old Man. In that winding gorge, all's water might lie, or scarcely less solitary than this, lonely, lovely wast water. The view to the north was memorable as an example of the ultra-desolate. Beyond the ragged brown foreground lay the pale gray expanse of a dry lake, whitened near its center by the alkaline deposit from its vanished waters. Beyond that rose the ashy wall of the Sheephole Mountains, quite lunar in their look of geologic age and dreariness. A thread-like line that skirted the lake bed and faded in a gap in the hills marked the road to Amboy, forty miles away, and Dale's shortest link with the rest of the world. Capping their hospitalities to me, my good friends would not allow me even to settle for Coea's provender, saying that the company expected to take care of little things like that. It is unlikely that these pages will meet the eye of the Croesus who counts this bagatelle of a gold mine among his numberless properties. His name is one at which Wall Street holds its breath. But anyway, I hereby make acknowledgment of my obligation. We left Dale amid good wishes of a score of the men who were gathered before the eating house, ready for the stampede at the sound of the breakfast bell. One or two of them I met again at later stages of my journey, and was amused to learn what droll rumors had been in circulation regarding my object in coming to Dale. Your miner must have his little mystery, and, if needful, will hatch one for himself. I was even credited with being the agent of mighty financial interests, perhaps, solemnizing thought, Croesus himself in disguise. The blind pig of the suburbs was already astir as I passed, and was as portly a pig as could be expected. The few sentences that passed while I watered Kawea showed that he was a suspicious pig too, which was not surprising in these times when even deputy sheriffs sometimes are unfriendly to pork. My road led eastward through a narrow canyon where every hillside had a metallic look at the most casual glance. Everywhere were prospect holes or deeper workings where the mountain had spewed out piles of glittering gray rock. Here and there were scraps of machinery, old windlasses and boilers dragged here at enormous expense, now mere rusty monuments to the ruling passion. Though to be fair, one must say to man's energy, hardihood, and determination as well. The stony track made rough going for Coea. Fortunately, I had had him shod, a new experience for him, though he was rising nine when I bought him, at Indio, in anticipation of the rocky country we should meet in the mountains. I was glad when the canyon opened southward upon a wide plain, a dozen miles or more across, through which the road ran straight to a vanishing point. The sun was unusually severe. The scanty vegetation gave no relief to the eye, and all there was of a variety from mile on mile was the alternation of glaring sand with darker pavement-like stretches that reflected the sun-gleam with added intensity. The air was in a tremor of heat, 
and under my sombrero my eyes ached so that i often closed them and left coia to pilot us alone sometimes i dismounted and walked in order to relieve him but this was a signal for him to slacken his pace to almost a standstill so having no mind to drag a half a ton of horseflesh i soon mounted again whereat he sighed eyed me with soft reproach and stood waiting till a touch of the spur urged him to a spiritless shuffle still far to the east rose the coxcombs ghost-like in the flicker and haze on my right was the pinto range now showing a patching of light and dark masses that gave point to the name ahead were the eagle and cottonwood mountains into which the road vanished as if it must there end hours passed in stupefying heat while i alternately dozed in the saddle or dragged the apathetic coia along at a snail-like pace the creosotes moved listlessly when for a moment the wind came with furnace-like breath there was little comfort in the canteen for the water was unpleasantly hot and the vacant shell of a tortoise or bleaching ribs of a cattle were objects not interesting to a jaded mind the spry white lizard seemed the only things that kept any touch of energy i might almost say of life by early afternoon we reached the entrance to a rocky pass that led into the mountains and stopped for rest and lunch i had saved a feed of barley for coia which he munched with indifference and then dozed with drooping head too fagged to crop the scraps of galleta that i pointed out to him loath as i was to move on i could not afford more than the regulation hour for there were many miles ahead of us before we should reach the next water the wash that issued from this canyon was filled with a dense growth of the smoke tree looking like a column of men in light gray uniform winding away in close-shut ranks across the plain the flowering season was nearly past but the ground was colored deep blue by the fallen petals plant life became more varied as we gained the higher ground as is always the case in these desert canyons bare as they look from the plain i saw yuccas of three species the lyceum with its ruby-like berries the simonsia which bears a nut of good flavor the curious salazaria covered with quaint little bladders even the wild buckwheat common on the coast to say nothing of the eternal cat claw and the common desert growths there appeared also a plant or two of the rare nolina perii their tall flowering stalks bearing masses of yellow seed vessels that reminded me of hydrangea bloom soon after crossing the divide i noticed a rude cross close beside the road later i learned that it marked the grave of a man named riley who died here of thirst a few years ago he had left the dale mines intending to walk to the railway at mecca the footprint showed that he reached a point almost within sight of cottonwood springs it may have been dark or dusk so that he failed to see the spot of green a mile further on that marks the water he turned back towards dale but soon turned again staggered as far as this and here died a brother of his is said to have lost his life in the same way soon afterward on the road from dale to amboy similar tragedies occur every year in these deserts and it would seem that the county authorities or the state or the nation might afford out of our millions of taxation the small sum that would suffice to set up guideposts on these roads 
indicating where water is to be found, the distance to it, and, if necessary, the marks by which the exact place is to be known. It is now quite possible for some wretch to perish in the tortures of thirst within so short a distance of water that, by a final effort, he might have reached it. It was just sunset when I caught sight of a cottonwood in a cleft of the canyon wall. In a few minutes, we were at Cottonwood Springs among shady trees and with excellent water in abundance. We had made thirty miles of extra tiring travel, and I resolved to stop for a day and enjoy the beauty of the spot. But when, after we had drunk our fill, I searched for pasturage, the pleasing prospect faded. I had been told that I should find grass in plenty here, but except for a few scraps of half-dead fillery, there was nothing to serve for forage. For tonight we must make the best of a bad job, and in the morning push on to Mecca, twenty-five miles away. With compunction, I picketed Kouia for the night on his meager billet, he watching me with anxious gaze as I moved away. I ate a cold supper, drank about five gallons of water, smoked a pipe, and turned in, not before enjoying a shower bath of the desert sort by means of my tin drinking cup. With musical rustle of cottonwoods, I was wafted to luxurious sleep. As I was saddling up for an early start, a Crusoe-like figure appeared on the hill above a doorless cabin that I had decided to be uninhabited. The old man proved to be a caretaker in charge of the machinery which pumps water from this place to a mine eighteen miles to the east. Such are the difficulties that must often be overcome before these desert mines can be worked. Crusoe, seeming friendly and urging a longer stay, I explained my case, when he mentioned that in a locked building nearby there was a little store of hay, the property of a Mecca man who occasionally made trips to a claim in the Eagle Mountains. He also offered the opinion that a feller's hoss hadn't arter go hungry when there was hay laying around. Enough said. I could pay the owner when I reached Mecca, so I took French leave, off-saddled, and treated my surprised Kawea to a hearty breakfast. Under these circumstances, I returned to my former program and passed an easy day, reveling in shade, cool sweet water, and leisurely meals at which Crusoe bore me company. Cottonwood Springs is one of the few desert watering places at which the traveler would wish to stay longer than necessity requires. Some bygone hermit had planted a few apple trees, which promised a tolerable crop, and there was even a garden patch where Crusoe cultivated radishes, beans, and tomatoes for the benefit of the local quail and jackrabbits. An old arastra, the primitive means of crushing ore in a circular pit by dragging heavy weights over it with horse or mule for motive power, spoke of old times and timers, and the samples of rocks scattered about would have furnished several museums with specimens. My friend's conversation bore all upon mining affairs, and was Hebrew to me, while mine no doubt was equally worthless to him, for the desert had dried out every interest but one, and turned him into a sort of mineral. While I was deep in slumber that night, I had a sudden alarm of rumble and shouting, and jumped up, just in time to escape being trampled by a pair of horses that failed to see me until they were almost on me, when they reared and backed on the heavy wagon. It was the owner of that hay, come at midnight, as if to avenge his wrongs. 
At the moment, that seemed to be his mood when he heard my story, but in the morning he felt better about it and became quite friendly when he pocketed his scandalous overcharge. Sunrise found us on the move down the canyon in shadow of high walls from which came ever and anon the haunting call of the canyon wren, as charming as that other sweet bird that shunned the noise of folly, most musical, most melancholy. The air in these desert canyons at early morning, before the sun shines in, is about the finest in the world, cool, light, mildly energizing, pure as the upper ether. It was enchanting to ride in ease and shade, not now too wearied to feel the finer glory of the sunray as it roused the dull tone of common rock into living flush of color, kindled the upper cliff to a beacon flame, trimmed each coping and pinnacle with tremulous fire. The canyon sides here were high and precipitous, and weathered at the top into fantastic confusion. Outlined with toppling crags and turrets on an almost overhead skyline were spectral yuccas and ocotillos, their rigid shapes fully in keeping with the crude rock forms among which they appeared. In the canyon bottom, a few palaverdes were still in blossom along with desert willow and catclaw. I here began to meet the palo fierro or ironwood, a tree to me that always has an interesting, friendly look. I had hoped to find it in flower, but it was a month too late, and the apple-green foliage was sprinkled thickly with brown seed vessels. This locality seems to be about the northwesterly limit of the tree's growth. To the canyon there ensued the usual expanse of gravelly plains somewhat relieved here by a remarkably fine growth of ocotillos. Their short season of beauty was over, the leaves had fallen and left the thorny canes skeleton-like and gray, and the fiery blossoms were dried out to the color of rust. But in size, many of them far exceeded the ordinary. Some were over twenty feet in height, with butts as thick as well-grown oaks. The typical contour of the desert mountains is also especially well marked in this locality. The steep slope of the rock wall meets the horizontal abruptly with no conjoining curve, but from every canyon a long straight tongue or bajada runs out at low angle, and even then the junction with the line of the plain is clearly marked. That is the desert, no suavity, grace, or curve of beauty but always a stark construction of right lines and angles repeated to the point of obsession. A higher mass at length came in sight to the south, and I recognized Santa Rosa. Then, more westerly, San Jacinto swung into view. Both, faintly drawn in the haze, mere bands of uncertain blue hardly darker than the sky. A few more miles, and far in the west, I caught a glimpse of what seemed a white iceberg, showing above the long, sea-like horizon of a distant mesa. It was the topmost crest of San Gorgonio, the thousand feet or so by which it overtops the two-mile mark. I was now again approaching the so-called mud hills, which here form the inner barrier before reaching the open levels of the Colorado Desert. Presently the road passed into a gorge framed by high white cliffs. In this peculiar formation, the elements find free play, and they have made the most of the opportunity. One can hardly credit those plodding workmen, water, wind, and frost, with these spectacular forms, which seem more in style of Vulcan's art. 
thunderbolts might have riven these vast perpendicular scars these crumbling turrets and threatening towers which hint at more of dynamics than of slow erosion a mile down the canyon we found ourselves at schaefer's well it was only mid-morning so there was time for a good rest i threw off the saddle and left kawea to pick what he chose out of a scattering of hay that some prodigal team had wasted while i niched myself into a scrap of shade and watched between dozes the antics of a troop of chipmunks these jolly little scamps hardly bigger than mice are the most entertaining of the whole sayuras tribe which is a good deal to say when one remembers the douglas squirrel of the sierra their impudence is delicious quite in the style of the artful dodger they are practical jokes incarnate and there is something positively wicked in the cock of their tails the cool of the evening was still some hours away when we took the road for the last stage of this part of our travels the gorge became narrower the walls higher and in places vertical i have changed my mind so often with regard to the possibilities of temperature whether greater in canyons or in the open that i hesitate to say that the heat that july afternoon marked a new record in my experience the windings of the canyon shut off all chance of a breeze the white walls and the white sand of the bottom reflected the sun's rays mercilessly the canyon seemed to reverberate with heat and light once or twice it grew almost insupportable and i fancied i felt warnings of vertigo i have no doubt that the thermometer if a shade reading could have been taken would have shown a hundred and twenty-five degrees or over kawea like a true indian pushed doggedly on through the yielding sand bronco he may be but i have found every ounce of him good staunch horse the canyon widened and at a turn behold the salt sea lay across the opening faintly blue mysterious romantic pictorial at the same moment a breeze met us not cool oh no but bringing at least a touch of life into the stagnation even a momentary tang of good salty ocean beyond the line of blue rose the opaline barrier of santa rosa and far to the southward superstition mountain hardly more than a shadow on the sky passing into the open i looked westward up the valley dark clumps of cottonwoods marked the sites of the nearest ranches five miles away a trail of smoke like that from a steamer far out at sea showed where a train was running down from the pass hazy in distance the places of the little settlements of the coachelli valley could be guessed and overall though now low on the horizon san jacinto and san gorgonio kept the gateway to the pacific mecca a nondescript hamlet and railway point near the northern margin of the salton sea was now only a few miles away and at evening we came to rest and welcome at the ranch of a friend who grows the earliest grapes of the season at appropriate prices for such as choose to buy them here we enjoyed again for a few days plentiful hay cultured society newspapers music and what seemed the consummation the sight and sound of water gurgling day and night from artesian wells the round i had made since leaving the valley had taken me about a hundred and fifty miles roughly in a circle ten miles away was coachella whence i had started a week before End of chapter ten